hey Adam, before we get started, let's don't forget to mention our sponsors. Yeah, the guys who help bring this podcast. We couldn't do it without them. I guess we could, but it makes it a lot easier, you know? That's right. Shin Gear, waterfowl equipment that's built better. Made by waterfowlers for waterfowlers. Go get you some Shin Gear. Miss Melissa at Duck Dog Clothing. For all your Duck Dog clothing needs, podcast gear, check out Melissa. Our website at Duck Dog Clothing. Dropbox, go in, buy a t-shirt or hat, supports us. We appreciate it. Don't forget your wet mud mats and your Kong bumpers. And if you're not Kong, Jim, you're wrong. Soggy Dog Gear, SoggyDogGear.com. Oh, Doug over there at Soggy Dog, he's a dog man. For all your dog training equipment, he's got it there. Go to SoggyDogGear.com. Be sure on your flat collars to use the discount code, the doghouse, to get your discount on your flat collars. G&G Motors. Columbia, Kentucky. See Chaz Giles for all your large, small, new and used tractors. Chaz Giles at GNG Motors, Columbia, Kentucky. Guys, don't forget to check out Tetra, the hearing system that works. Tetra, hear the hunt. Hear the hunt. The Sullivan family has been with us a long time, guys. It's no longer Sullivan Motors. It's Sullivan Kirk Automotive, Sullivan Kirk outfitters for your lift kits and etc etc also new and used vehicles those guys have supported us a long time we appreciate it if you support them welcome back everybody to another episode of the dog house um we are back here with um Episode two with Scott Hart. What's up, Jimmy Rogers? You ready to get rolling on this hey, deal? Heck yeah, man. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. Good. Yes, sir. Yeah, let's get right back into it, man. I've been excited. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> man, me too. Me too. I like picking old a good dog hands brain. What's up, Scott? You here with us, pal? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome back. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, and- welcome back, Scott. Thanks for thanks for your time, bud. Yes, sir. Anytime. Yes, sir. Let's talk Good a little. Deal. Let's talk a little dog training. I've got a few things jotted down that I want to ask you for selfish reasons. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Jimmy, do you, you got anything you want to lead off with, Jimmy? Nope. You get started, and I'll jump in. All right, all right, Scott. I, I get I, I question myself a lot on this topic. Um, I get asked a lot, and it start. When do you start teaching multiples with a with a younger dog? And not only when do you. But how do you go about doing that? Um, multiple start really fairly early. Um, even as you know, really before formal training even starts. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if you've got a seven week old puppy, um, you know, of course the first thing you're doing is, is trying to, you know, build that desire to retrieve. Um, but you know, as soon as he'll, you know, run out there, you know, not even as far as you can throw it. Um, if he's got good desire to retrieve, um, you can start, um, teaching little multiples. Um, you know, a lot of times when a puppy's that big, you're, you're using something like a paint roller or, uh, you know, maybe you're using a small teal or a pigeon, uh, something like that. But uh, obviously, you you want to be, you know, in a mode spot, a football field, soccer field, your yard, uh, where the dog can can see. But um, 
you know, you obviously you want your memory bird to be, you know, really, really short, um, you know, and everything's pretty widespread, but, you know, you can toss one, you know, four or five feet at say three o'clock and then turn and, you know, hand throw one that's, you know, maybe 25 feet at, you know, 10 o'clock and the puppy runs out and gets it and brings it back. And, you know, you just try to get him to look over there and, you know, it's close enough. If he looks around a little bit, he can see it and he runs out there and grabs it. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of evolves from there. But, um, you know, it, it, it starts, it starts pretty early, uh, in that, in that early process of building a dog's desire to retreat. So, so to kind of go on with that question, once you get them doing that as a puppy and then you move into your formal training, say dogs up through force fetch and going through the yard and we're doing marks with him, at what point are you going to do gun marks as a double? Right away, or is this something you're going to start doing a lot more singles, or are you going to add in, you know, multiple gun marks as doubles? A lot of it depends on, on the level of the dog and his retrieving desire. Um you know, it, 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 it's hard to do if you're not doing one bird properly or very enthusiastically. It, it's hard to impress that you need to do two. Um, but as soon as your singles are pretty good, then you start working to add another. Um, so, like, if, if you've got a dog that, you know, has come through force fetch and, and – you know, you're out in the field and, you know, you're really going to start now to really try to put some distance on your marks and kind of some structure to your field work. Um, I would start with singles, but you can also start uh, doing some very simple doubles. Um, if you've got a bird out there that you think the dog is going to have a hard time doing as a single, then I would not add another bird to that mm-hmm. until he can until he can do that bird. You know, if if a dog's in the process of stretching out and he's pretty comfortable with birds up to say seventy yards, and you say, okay, well today I'm gonna you know I'm gonna run one out there at about one twenty five. Um, you're better off to teach that bird as a single rather than, you know, add another bird to that when you know he's already going to struggle with what you've got out there. Um, you know, you, you want him to be confident. Um, if he's good at doing, you know, 70-yard birds, then you might throw one at 70 and another one at 40 um, and start that doubles process. Um, let, you, let your memory bird be your easy bird. To, to start with, um you know, but, but again, as, as he gets more proficient at, you know, bringing, regardless of the distance of your bird, when you get a dog that comes back with that go bird and without you having to line him up, he starts to look out there for that second bird. You can, you can make your memory bird, whichever one, whichever one you want, whether it's the short bird or the long bird. Um, but that's, that's what you're, what you're trying to promote early is getting that dog to where when he comes back with a go bird, um, he's already looking, you know, he knows there's another bird out there somewhere. Um, you know, he may not line up on it perfectly himself, 
but you know, he doesn't come back and, and hang you the go bird and act like he's ready to go back to the truck that he thinks he's, yeah. he's yeah. done with that setup. Um, you know, but, but again, you, I, you know, until you can do one bird efficiently, uh, there's not a lot of sense in starting two. If, um, what, how, how do you approach, um, when you start doing multiple, say the little dog comes in and he looks out there and he's confident there's another one out there and he's proficient at doing this bird as a single, but he runs and you hear people complain all the time, well, my dog just kind of ran at the gun or he leaned on the gun. How big a deal is that right out of the gate? Not, not that big a deal at all. Okay. Um, you know, that that's, you can get into the, you know, the, the mechanics of running out more toward the bird, you know, again, it, it depends on the, the level of the dog. Um, if, if you think that he should know enough, um, that he should stay out away. But, but again, if you've got a, if you've got a problem with a dog running at the gun or the holding blind, um, that's going to show up on your singles. Um, so you need to fix that on your singles before you can expect a dog to start doing it on a multiple. Right. How, how big a deal is that on a single? I mean, do you really, do you really fret over that if he if he leans on a gun and kicks out and gets the bird? No, as long as he's in front of it, no. Okay. I feel like I feel like people make too big a deal out of that. That a dog that stay in front of the gun, but he'll lean on it, but then he'll peel right out and get the bird. Um, yeah, I and, feel like people that, make too big a deal out of that. And it's not that. It's not. It's not that bad. Yeah, and 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 that's that. If if the way I always looked at it is that that wasn't going to cost me to lose a field trial. No, that that that's going to not cause you to not pass at a hunt test. You know, it, it, if a dog, say you shoot a triple and all three birds, the dog runs and stays three foot on the proper side of the holding blind, but as soon as he gets to the holding blind, immediately turns and runs out and gets the bird. And he does that on every bird he retrieves and he runs good blinds, you're going to come home with a pass every weekend. Every time. Every time. So it, it's one of those things. If it if it's not broke, you you don't fix it. Um, if you did want to work on it, um, you know you 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 put a factor or something halfway to the bird that that is going to cause the dog to to miss. You know whether it's a, a piece of cover or a piece of water or you know we we use uh, plastic culverts that we do no no drills with um to try to teach a dog to run you know straight and if he runs at the gun he's gonna you know he's gonna miss the water he's gonna miss uh a piece of cover uh you can teach him to run more toward the bird with something like that um but if you know if, if i throw a bird and, and a dog runs out there and he gets on the proper side of the gun um and comes up with it in a fairly quick manner with it with a good tight hunt pattern. I'm I'm very happy. Right, uh, me too. I I feel the same way, but I feel like so much there's a stigma around it that 
just because my dog don't run at the bird that he can't mark. And I don't think that's the, the case at all. No, it, 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 if he didn't mark the bird, he wouldn't immediately turn and run out to pick it up. The, the reason he does that is because he knows where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the biggest separation in that you can, you can have a dog that for instance, he might even backside the gun and hook and immediately run straight to the bird. That dog marked the bird, and yet you can have a dog that goes through the arc of the bird and goes 20 yards deep and puts on a three-minute hunt and comes up with the bird. That, to me, I would much, the dog that hooked the gun and went straight to the bird obviously had a much better mark than the dog that went through the arc and put on a three-minute hunt. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. To dig more into those, uh, Brett's mentioned the pipes before. How, talk about how you utilize those pipes. Um, several different ways. Um, <laughs> you know, well, there, before let's clarify what we're talking about. This pipe, it's it's uh, what, ten inch or sixteen inch culprits. Cor- corrugated yeah, pipe. Yeah, I, corrugated I think pipe. The, I, I think the one we've got out here is is a fifteen inch black plastic culvert that you know goes underneath the driveway or mm-hmm. you know anything like that but it's you know it, it's light um you know you can drag it around with a four-wheeler and and put it wherever you want um you know it, it it's soft you know back in the day um you know we used to practice it with a you know you take a john boat and you'd flip it over um you know and make the dog you know hop over the boat um but you know if a dog mistimed his jump or something like that he's kind of crashing into that metal boat it, it you know wasn't wasn't the brightest idea to do so but you can do it with these plastic pipes and you know even if a dog missed times a jump he's not going to hurt himself mm-hmm. um you know yeah. if he hits him. Yeah. um yeah but but basically it, it, it it's used as a lining tool to to teach a dog to to run straight um you know when when you start doing um blinds or even even marks and you know you're you're trying to teach a dog to to basically run straight no matter what's in his way whether it's it's a piece of heavy cover or a piece of water or it's an obstacle um you know and it's just it's a it's a manner that that once a dog understands through repetition that he you know you're going to require him to go over this pipe um you know, then, then you can, like I said, you can, you can put a guy out there and throw a bird. And if he runs at this guy, he's going to miss the pipe and, and you can actually make a correction there and bring him back and throw the bird again and send him. And if he jumps at the pipe, then he's running straight to the bird and you can, it, it's more or less a lining tool uh, to teach a dog to run straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a no-no drill with a mark, essentially. You you can I I use it on marks and blinds. I gotcha. start it with blinds, but then once once I know that a dog understands that if he looks out there and he's pointed in the general direction of that pipe that he better get over it, then I'll also do it on a mark. Because because to me that pipe out there isn't any difference than there being a you know a mode strip of cover 
uh, that's in the way. And then, you know, if he runs to the left or runs to the right, he runs down the mode path. But if he runs straight, he has to go through the cover. Uh, same thing with a piece of water. Um, you know, I can, I can, I can treat a mark the, the same way on land with a pipe as I would, uh, doing a cheaty single on a pond. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. Is that, is that piece of pipe is they come in 20 foot sticks. Do you cut them up in half or use a whole? No, I, feet? I, I, I leave it full. Okay. I leave it whole. All right. Yeah. Cause I got some from my no, no drills that I cut in half for two tens. And I have one mm-hmm. that's a twenty foot. I was just curious. Yeah, no, we 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 use ours whole. And like I said, I I drag it around, and uh, of course, like when you're doing lining drills, um, you know, did you know when when you start, you basically walk up there and you put the dog's nose on it, and you kind of do it with force to a pile, um, to you know where he's running back and forth to the same spot, and you just you gradually you gradually back up, you know, you'll send him and he'll hop over it and he gets the bumper. And when he's on his way back, you may take four or five steps back and then you send again. And if he starts to run around then you know, you either stop and handle or you simply tell him no and you move back forward and, you know, until you can, you know, you can back off of it. I mean, some of the bigger dogs that do it, I can take that piece of pipe and, you know, put it out there at 150 yards on a, 250 yard blind and have them hop over yep that's that's good stuff i jimmy you got a question at mine i got one more about marking while we're kind of talking about marking no stay on it go ahead um scott what about <clears throat> say we throw a mark throw it left to right all right the dog goes in on the bird all right he say he gets under the arc a little bit and he makes a couple of loops and he bails on it and goes and hunts the other side of the gun um, how how would you go about addressing that? It, it, let them hunt. There, there's what two, two different scenarios. All if, right. if, if if that bird is a single, I would when the dog went to the wrong side of the gun, I would stop. Um, I would tell the dog no. I would call him back to me. I would throw that bird again and then send him again. And call, they're on the thing. Call him I, all the way I, back. Yes, I am. I am pretty. I think I am pretty stringent on a single. Um, that to me, that's the easiest. That's the easiest mark you can do. You sit down there. You watch one bird go down. You watch it all the way to the ground. You hear your name. You run right out there to it, and you pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it's the second bird of a double, um, I might make him. I might let him make a loop or two over there. Um, you know, if he camps out over there, um, I'm probably going to make the same correction. I'm going to stop, tell him no, call him back in, throw that bird again, show him what he did wrong. And then, you know, move over a little bit and try to repeat the same concept. Uh, you know, that, the, and again, the, the more slack I'm going to give him, depending on what number in the order you know, if it's the third bird of a triple, he gets even more slack. Mm-hmm. If it's the fourth bird of a quad, he gets even more slack. Um, but on a single, I'm I'm probably not even going to allow it uh, because you just watched that bird hit over there. You've got no business hunting over there. Correct. Yep. And that that could be habitual, can it? 
it 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 can um but most of the time if it if it gets to be a habitual thing especially on singles then you probably got a dog that's a pretty weak marker <laughs> i agree uh, <laughs> i totally agree uh that's a nice way of saying that's a washout right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to keep it politically correct here. There you go. Yes, sir. We're not very politically correct, are we, Jim? No, no. Well, I am. It's Adams the one you got to watch. <laughs> uh, so, so, what about, I've got a question for you about water work. And this is one I always ask, and I'm trying to get better. I spent all summer, and that's getting the dogs to to run along beside the water comfortably, and getting in the water at longer distances. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You know, like yeah. running blinds or marks. Don't just bail in. You know, not just bailing in or just folding out. I mean, the obvious folding out is, you know, coming off the line and correcting. But the dogs that my older dogs are going to bail in on me. My younger dogs are getting better at it. Is there anything we can do for those older dogs that have that habit of bailing in to try to make it better? It, it, it It's just a matter of, and, and this goes back to really a, a lot of things in, in dog training in general, is you teach a dog a certain thing, and then later down the road, you're essentially going to half-ass unteach that. Um, you know, you, you take a dog when he's young, and of course you throw a bird and his first instinct is to run around the pond. Um, that comes from thousands and thousands and thousands of years of evolution. I, I tell people all the time, if you think about a coyote and he's on one side of the lake and on the other side of the lake, there is a wounded goose over there flopping around. If he runs down there in a straight line and jumps in the pond and swims across the lake, by the time he gets over there, that goose is probably gone. And that coyote doesn't eat that day. Where if he tucks tail and hauls ass around the pond and gets over there, he eats that day and survives. And and dogs have been that way for thousands and thousands of years. So inevitably man has come along and is going to teach him to do it the way he wants it done. So you start with a young dog who won't get in the water, and you teach him to get in, that getting in is good and staying in is good. Well, then he also gets to a point that once he does that, now he's, you know, he can't just get in and swim to the end of the pond, but now he's got to cross a point. And then now that is evolutionized into you know, run 50 yards, 10 yards off the water, and then get in and swim 50 yards. Um, because what happens is, is, is they come up with a concept at, at a test or a trial, and it's hard to do, and then all of a sudden everybody practices it for a little while, and the dogs get efficient at it, and it really doesn't work anymore so now they they move to something different um but it, it, it's just a it's just a matter of making those dogs comfortable um where they're not comfortable at uh you know when those dogs run down the bank for a lot of the time we make it uncomfortable for them to be there so that he gets in the water 
Um, and now what you've got to do is, is you've got to turn around now what you made uncomfortable and make that comfortable. Um, and you, you do it, you know, you, you start like you do anything, you shorten the distance with it. Um, you might use, uh, a cone on the end of your blind or a pole with some tape on it, or simply a big white bumper that the dog can see from the line. Um, so that he starts to look out there and he runs straight to it. Um, you know, and, and his, he gets a little more comfortable at it, then you can kind of take those aids away from him, uh, to where he does it without a cone or a pole or a white bumper. Uh, he simply does it because you ask him to. All right. Very good. Very good. good deal. That's a good answer. I appreciate that. Like I said, <laughs> I that's, that's a good something. Adam does pretty good at it. Yeah, Adam does pretty good at it. He he uh, he gets a little better than I do. That's that's one thing I've been struggling with, and I've got to put a lot of effort into. Yeah, and and it, it it's just and and what I I tell Brett all the time. It is if you look at a, a problem in a dog, like a seesaw on a playground, and and when it's Tipped up one way, you know, you've got a dog that, that is running around the water all the time. You, you can't take that seesaw and go from tipped up to the left to level. He doesn't go from running around all the, the pond all the time to getting in just right. He's got to go completely, the teeter-totter's got to go completely the opposite way to where he's getting in the water all the time and not running around and then you can level it out but but you can't go from running around all the time to getting in just right you've got to go from running around all the time to getting in all the time to now you can balance those two out and get yourself right in the middle correct great analogy that's that's very good i like that that's Thank you, Scott. That's a very good way to put that. One of them gold nuggets. There's a gold. There's your gold nugget, boy. Uh, go, go ahead, Adam. Get another one, Scott. I've been I've been talking with Brett about um, how you teach handling and what you brought to him um, coming out of force to pile. What you guys do, and and I guess it's I would call it a little unorthodox. Would you say that? Not what no. everybody normally does. Well, and and that's it, it again. You go back to the to the evolution of the game. Yeah, probably since since this game started, and people have started to teach a dog to handle. Um, they play what is everybody knows as yard baseball, mm-hmm. uh, where a dog sits on the pitcher's mound. And you cast over to first base, over to third base, and back to second base. Um, and then you refine that simply by getting a dog. When you put up your right hand, he turns to his left and goes back. And when you put up your left hand, he turns to the right and goes to his back. Um, but when what I have done is – I have taken second base and split it into where the shortstop stands and where the second baseman stands. Mm -hmm. Because, and the reason being is 
a dog, in order to do a blind, has to do three concepts. He has to go when I tell him to go. He has to stop when I blow the whistle. And he has to change direction. Mm -hmm. If a dog will do those three concepts, they're in a blind in this world that can't be done. Because basically you steer him just like a car. You know, if a dog will go stop and move around, I can put his butt on any blade of grass in a 500-acre field. Um, so the reason that I split my back cone into two piles instead of just one at second base is I'm trying to teach that dog from day one to change direction. Because if you teach, what happens is if you teach a dog to run straight back to that second base pile, when you come off of that and start running little pattern blinds or your very first cold blinds, unless he lines it, if, if you blow that whistle, it's because he's going the wrong direction. Correct. And if I stop him and give him a little left back and he turns and scallops and runs exactly the way he was going it's hard for me to get on him when that's exactly what i taught him to do on a casting field I, i've essentially taught him to sit on the pitcher's mound and when i say back turn around and run straight away from me well when you're starting doing blinds if you blow a whistle it's because he's going the wrong direction and you need him to change the direction that he's going and go a different so I'm trying to promote those dogs rather than teach a dog to run straight back and then have to essentially teach him to cast all over again when I get him out in the field because he's not, you know, he's scalloping on all his backs. I start teaching, promoting direction change from the day he starts learning to handle. Yep. All right, so you come out of force to pile and you go into that casting drill, correct? Yes. All right. And you got third base, shortstop, where the second baseman stands, and first base, correct? That's correct. All right. Well, essentially, instead of three-handed cast, I have four-handed cast. Perfect. So do you do that first, or Brett says you line to those spots also? Um, which one yeah. do you do first? I, I, you can do it either way. I typically force to a pile first. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take a dog when he's doing force to a pile the say his very first day and I go out and I've got my leftover and my right over piles out and I'll force him to those two piles. Um, and then when he's efficient at that after a few days or maybe a week, depending on the dog, I'll add my two back piles and I'll force to those. Okay. Um, once the dog knows where the four piles are, then I can essentially stand on the pitcher's mound and I can line to any of the piles that I choose. Um, and once he does that, then essentially all I do is, is I set him where he's been forcing to a pile from mm -hmm. and I simply back off of him and start teaching him how to cast. Uh, the same way, I take the backs out of the equation. I do my overs first, and I take the overs out and put my two back piles out, teach the two back piles, 
and then I put the four back in together to where he can cast to all four piles. But essentially, he does force to a pile and casting almost from the same spot. To four different locations. That's right. Perfect. Um, all right, so now I've got him where I can line to all four, and I, I'm doing my four-handed casting. Where do I yep. go? From, where do you go from there? Once I get all that done, I do a little bit of whistle stop with him. Um, that's just standard procedure. You start with a lead and a choke chain, and you're walking along, and when you stop, instead of saying sit, you know, you simply toot the whistle and give him a little tug, you know, until he'll sit down when you blow the whistle. Mm -hmm. uh, that evolves into uh, having the dog walk beside you. You toot the whistle and the dog sits down, but you keep walking. Uh, so that essentially the dog stops and you, you keep moving forward. Uh, once the dog does that, I start, you know, I blow a whistle. I keep walking. You know, I might walk 30 yards from him and turn around, and then I start calling him to me and stopping him, you know, periodically as he's coming back to me. Um, once he does that, then essentially he, he'll he stop on a whistle. Got you. Is there any particular reason why you wait until this spot in your, in your flow chart, for example, uh, before doing it, teaching him to stop before? I, no, I, I guess what I'm asking is when you're doing your casting here, say that, all right, say that I'm teaching my backs and I give him a right, you know, angle back and he, yep. and he turns and goes left or he goes for an over. Um, yep. You don't stop him with a whistle. You say no here or how do you, how do you do I, yeah. that? I, I just simply tell him no, put him back on the pitcher's mound per se. And uh -huh. then I, I, I cast again. Um, if I mess it up again, um, I might take a bumper and, and throw to the pile that I'm casting to Correct. to identify it again and then cast him up there. Gotcha. So there's no particular reason why I mean No, I, you, you you could you, essentially you, do it before. Yes, sir. Okay, yes, I sir. got you. All, all all you're all you're doing is is at some point in time you have to teach the element of go, you have to teach the element of stop. And you have to teach the element of cast. That there is no, there is no special order to do those three in. They all three have to be taught. And then once those three elements are taught, then you start to glue those three elements together and actually get to where the point to where you can start running small blinds. Perfect. So, but 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 the order that they're taught in it is it it doesn't matter. You could teach whistle stop first, then casting, then force to a pop. Um, you're you're teaching three separate elements. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once those elements are taught, you're gluing those three together. Gotcha. I I, I like it. Me and Brett's been talking about this, you know, and and I was like, man, I got this question. He's like, do you need to talk, to Scott? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and, and essentially, like I said, all all it evolved from is rather than teach a dog, you know, me physically teach him to run straight back when I say back. What 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 I'm saying is, is we those dogs got through the yard, 
and you took him out to the field and you put his first cold blind out there and, you know, it might not be but 40 yards away from him. And he would take off 10 yards and start to veer to the left and I would stop him and, and give him a right back and he would simply turn and go from his position, he would simply turn and go straight back, which is not what I need to get the blind, but it's exactly what I taught him to do. It's a team, you know, a month a month before I came out there. So it, it it's hard to fault the dog for doing exactly what I've taught him to do, you know, in, in the yard. I agree. Um, it makes a ton of so, sense to me. So so we decided to come back and, and split the back pile so that you know, from day one, I'm teaching direction change. That when my hand goes up, you you have to angle out a little bit. You mm. you can't turn and because you know <clears throat> if, if 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 you were going the right direction, I wouldn't have blown the whistle in the first place. I, you know, so so when mm. I blow, when I blow that whistle, I need you to go a different direction, and and that's that's all I'm trying to accomplish in in teaching that dog from day one to change change the way that that he's going don't run straight back go a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right all right so if i'm not mistaken you you don't you guys don't do a t anymore no so you go straight well, from here to teaching a pattern or just maybe go out and run simple cold blinds or I, you can, you can start with some very simple cold blinds and, and, you know, again, you, you want to start with, with cones or big white bumpers or poles, um, that the dog can, you know, identify to, you know, you, you're constantly trying to help build that confidence. Um, cause it, it, it it's difficult, you know, puppies grow up from the time he's seven weeks old, you know, seeing something thrown and running out and getting it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's eight months old and you've got him to the yard and you walk out in the field one day and you say, go get him. And he hadn't seen anything. And he's like, go get what? And so you, you, you have to build that, you know, so you, you start with very short blinds are actually what we don't have it here. Um, at, at, at Brett's, uh, but when I was at home, um, I actually mowed my T pattern had basically a Y in it. Um, you know, I had my two, two overs that went out that kind of made your T, but instead of my back going straight back, I angled, you know, I had two mowed paths that, that went like to, you know, 10 and two o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that, that you actually could run a T, um, you know, and, and stop the dog. But when you cast, he, he had a mode path that angled away, you know, it, it wasn't mode like a conventional T. Correct. Um, you know, but, but you could, you could do that. You just, you just mow your T pattern in a, in a little different pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mow it to the spots that you know you're trying to get the dog to go to, rather than just have him run straight back. And I, another thing that I like about it that I kind of picked up on is it don't seem like you're repetitively going back to the same spot a ton. That's limited more so than when you if you did a ton of pattern blinds or a ton of 
a ton of T pattern. You know, you force to this pile, you force this pile, then you then you show them the other two, and you force to them. Then you can say, all right, I'm gonna go to the left one. Then I'm gonna swing around and go to the right one. Then I'm gonna go to the, the second base, and then shortstop. Yeah, you're not just going back and back and back and back into the same spot. Right, you're you're not sending the second base over and over and over again, and in a sense. That, that also starts the process of, of getting a dog to go where he looks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if I line you up and you look at third base and I send you, you run to third base. You know, if, if I send you to where the second baseman stands and I send, then that's, that's the pile that you go to. Um, so now when you take him out into the field, um, you know, and, and again, you've got a very, you know, simple blind at, at – you know, three o'clock and maybe you've got another very simple blind at noon. Um, you know, when he looks that direction, he, he starts that direction. He may not know where he's going. Um, but because you've done a little bit of lining and stuff like that in your, in your casting and forced to a pile, he, he starts to initially at least start in that general direction. And then you can, you can get him there. I, I really like it. I've actually started a few on it. Gonna gonna report back, and uh, yeah, and I I think you'll you'll find a, a a big difference in the dogs when when you start doing blinds with them. Um, you know, teaching it in the yard it is not much different. Um, you know, the the dogs are gonna you know, struggle a little bit, just like all of them do until they get it figured out. Um, but once you get out in the field and you start running those little blinds and, and you give that little, you know, you send out there and he goes 10 yards and starts to drift one way or another and you blow that whistle and, you know, he sits down and, and you put that first back up. He's, you're more apt to get a cast toward where you want the dog to go toward the blind or the bird rather than him just wheel and, and, and take off, you know, exactly the way he was going before you ever blew the whistle. Correct. You know, and it just, it it just helps him be, you know, we all know in this game success breeds success and, and the faster he can get out there and find that bird on realize that there's something out there um then the more willing he is to go out there and you know your attitude on your blinds is better because he's more successful at blinds you're you're not on him as much for not casting or you know not doing those things and and blinds get to where they're just as fun as running marks yeah i i like it I, i'm really looking forward to digging into it and and you may have messed up giving me your phone number because i may bypass <laughs> bread and come straight to the source that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, That's it. I, I had one more thing for you that you mentioned earlier. You said um, you had a philosophy change when you came from running field trials to coming to working at Webfoot. Why, dig into that for me before we before we tap out on this deal. Well, it, it, it's 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 a it's a different ball game. Um, you know the the again it 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 boils down to uh you know you you do some of the same stuff i mean i i don't i don't de cheat a hunting dog any different than i de cheated a field champion 
Um, but I, I don't have to, you know, I, I don't have to back up 250 yards off the water and expect him to run down there and slice in a six foot piece, um, you know, and, and do it in less than three whistles. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a meat dog, you know, that, that guy is, is looking for something that, you know, if he goes out and, and him and his group shoot 24 that morning that, that they can come home with 24. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he, he, he doesn't the, the, just the, the, the requirements of, of what the dogs are expected to do. Um, it is different. Um, so your philosophy has to change. Um, you know, the, the importance of, uh, I think where that question, where that kind of popped up was, uh, Jimmy was talking about the hunt test and, and talking about, you know, splashing little birds in, in front of young dogs faces and, and having them be steady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is, that's something that, that I didn't have to deal with in the field trial game. Of course, dogs have got to be steady and they've got to get used to flyers and, and things like that. Um, but it, it's, you know, you, you spend a dog's whole life developing that desire to retrieve We all want a dog that moves extremely well, but is very efficient at his job. Um, right. we don't want one that, that's got just gobs of horsepower and doesn't have a clue where he's going, even though we've all got them. Um, but we, we want a very, you know, we're trying to promote a very stylish dog and, so you're 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 working hard to to build that desire, but yet coming here and 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 doing some of the hunt tests and stuff where there is a a much uh, greater influence on a on a dog being steady. Uh, it has been, and I've had to had to change, um, you know, my thoughts on that to, because that's that's what those dogs are expected to do. Um, you know, if you had a dog that crept out a little bit at a field trial, um, you know, it, it wasn't that really wasn't that big a deal. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he couldn't jump out 10 foot in front of you. Um, but you know, if he stood out, you know, if he stood up and, you know, basically when the last bird hit the ground, if his, you know, if his tail was six inches in front of your left foot, then, you know, you just went ahead and sent him. Um, you know, judges aren't as, as, as strict on that. It, it's not, not really what they're looking for. Right. Um, and it, it's just, a, it's a different game and there are different rules and, and, you know, I, I had to learn the rules of a different game. Um, and that, that's really all it boils down to is, is not so much of philosophy and how I train or, uh, anything like that, but just, just learning a new game and, and what's expected of dogs at certain levels. Makes a ton of sense to me. Great, <clears throat> great answer, man. I think we're gonna um, think yeah. Jim's got to feed dogs. I think we're gonna try to wrap this do, thing man. up. You, you got it ready to roll, Jim? I am, man. I've enjoyed the heck out of this. I know I haven't. I've just listened along. You you had written the questions down, and I'm driving, so I was letting you all roll. I appreciate it. It was very good, man. Scott, thank you again for your time. It's awesome. And, and let's just plan on another one if you don't care. Let's we'll, we'll get. Any, lined up and do another one soon. Anytime you guys are ready, I'm here. Scott, man, we appreciate awesome. it, man. You've done a great job. Tons of good information, bud. 
Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Glad you made it home good, and and uh, we'll uh, uh, look forward to meeting you somewhere down the road, Adam. Yes, and, sir. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get it done. Yes, sir. Awesome, Th- thank you, pal. All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Yes, sir. Thanks everybody listening yes, for another, listening to another episode of the Doghouse Podcast, Jim. That was a good one. I can't believe it's free, buddy. I'll say that again. Um, Hashtag. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hashtag run to you smell mallard. Come on. Hashtag pure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. All right, Jim. Let's wrap this thing up, buddy. Let's wrap it up. Listen, y'all have a good evening. Adam, we'll talk soon, bud. All right, buddy. See you, pal. And, guys, don't forget, go check out our new website, the Doghouse Pod. Dot com. Um, you can submit questions, see all of our guys that sponsor our show. Click, 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 boom, go buy some stuff from those guys. And see us on web, uh, on the face page over there, Facebook, the Doghouse Podcast with Adam and Jimmy. You can contact us there. We're going to try to put out some content and stuff there. Thanks for listening. Appreciate y'all. <laughs>